Ladies and gentlemen, good evening, good afternoon, and good morning. Welcome to Table Flip. This is a very special, special episode of Table Flip. I am joined in the e-virtual studios, not sitting next to me this time, by Nate. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. Excellent. Um, made it back to North Carolina without dying this time. <laughs> well, that's good. That's that's yep. always good. Yep. And we have a very special guest on the show. He is the national champion of the Star Wars trading card game, the LCG version, not the other one. And Matt, ironically, his name is Matt. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for taking time out of your evening to be with us. We really appreciate it. So the first question is, is how did you start playing the game and what got you interested enough to be a national champion? Uh, two, I guess two things really. Uh, it, it really combines two of my loves. Uh, a big Star Wars fan for, for years now, ever since I was a little kid, and then a uh, big fan of, of CCGs or, or card games in general, um, probably for the last 15 years or so. Um, so it was kind of a no-brainer for me to, to pick it up and give it a try. I've also uh, made quite a few friends at Fantasy Flight over the years uh, because I played – uh, UFS for about five years. Uh, they owned it for, I think, maybe two of those years. Uh, and then I've also played Call of Cthulhu and uh, Warhammer Invasion, a couple of their other LCGs. So uh, knew this one was coming down the pipeline, tested it at Gen Con uh, back in 2011 or whenever that was, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, decided to pick it up and, and play. Awesome, awesome. Well, again, congratulations on your win. That is a uh, that is a huge victory to say that you are the national champion of the Star Wars Trading Card Game LCG by Fantasy Flight. That's actually really awesome. Uh, I wish wish I could have been there, and uh, I know there was a lot of interesting decks, and um, I'm sure all of our listeners have like so many questions. They're like, just ask them, shut up, and stop talking. So we're gonna get into the the questions here. So the next kind of question I have for you is. What did you do to prepare for the tournament? I know, you know, people sometimes, you know, like start doing sit-ups or or whatever, but like how did you mentally and possibly physically prepare yourself for this tournament? Um we we did I, I assume you're talking about not like the day of the tournament, right? You're no, no, it, in general. just kind of like in general and maybe even 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 day of uh prep. Okay. Cuz I typically try to get, you know, fairly drunk the night before. <laughs> Uh, that that usually helps out a lot. Uh, no, the, the the prep for the tournament uh, is something that me and and my teammates, I guess to to call them for lack of a better uh, term for this game, uh, we take fairly seriously. And basically, what we do is create a grid and then say, okay, everybody has to make uh, you know eight to ten decks between four of us put them all in this grid, try not to overlap, make different kinds of decks. And then we just start recording the results. We just start playing all the games in the grid, record the results. And then once we're done uh, with the first uh, set of games, we have a feel for what are the top uh, decks per side. And then we take those, make some modifications, play those against each other, start a different grid. Basically the grid gets smaller and smaller as we go. And then uh, by the end, you know, we're down to a handful of decks that we think are the most optimal, efficient decks. And uh, then then that's kind of the final testing is pairing those against each other. And whatever the results say is basically what we think is going to give us the best chance to win. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like you guys did a lot of kind of nerdy math then. Um was it a very in-depth process, or did you guys just kind of wing it and went, ah, okay, well, we think these are going to be the top decks, but let's kind of splash some other stuff in there to kind of see if we can kind of vary vary the uh, the different play styles that we're going to be facing? Yeah, I mean, we, we tried to cover everything. You know, we obviously we, – we have an idea what the strong decks are because we played in three different regionals. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> had some success there and, and saw some some other decks too that, that gave us ideas. Uh, so we knew, you know, what what we thought were the top decks, and then we also wanted to make, uh, you know, at least let's see that we have every combination of factions or every mono faction, so that, um, you know, even though this deck may be the top deck, maybe it, you know, maybe we can figure out what some of its weaknesses are by by recording every match, then we can see 
uh, where it's winning and losing, and, and basically that's what we did. Okay, awesome. Uh, Nate, uh, comments? Um, that sounds very familiar to what I used to do for the Star Wars trading mm-hmm. card game from Wizards. Um, so how many decks did you did you throw into the gauntlet of stuff that you were testing against? Uh, probably 30, 30 to 35, I would guess. Wow. Nice. That's, that's a lot of playing card games. Yeah. Um, but that, that would be, I guess, total. There'd probably be, you know, yeah. 15 to 17 per side. Oh, now, okay, so I'm actually curious because there really isn't a lot of variations to some of the, the decks that we've seen so far. Like, a, a lot of the the so-called top decks that people are kind of, uh, like, have some sort of, I guess... Um, passion for is is obviously going to be kind of like the Sleuth Scout, a Blockade Runner heavy decks. For the dark side, it's obviously going to be the the Sith Core decks, maybe a Navy deck, um, maybe even a the the uh, Scum and not Scum, yeah Scum and Villainy type of uh, mono decks. Did you just kind of throw random objective sets in there and kind of was like, okay, what if this is going on or what if this is going on, or did you like? legitimately try and come up with 30 competitive decks for in total yeah we for the most part we tried to come up with competitive decks i mean it started out where each of us picks you know three or four decks that we think are going to be good throw those into the into the gauntlet as he said and then after that you know maybe it's it's just ideas that you know i don't know if this is going to be great but this is different than what we've got let's try it um and things like that. And then, like I said, we would make sure we had, uh, you know, a mono scum deck, a mono Jedi deck, whatever it may be, try to build the best uh, version of each of those to throw the, the, those in there as well. And then a lot of the decks, you know, it's it's just one uh, pod set different than the other. So uh, 80% of the deck is the same as the, the next deck, but, you know, we gave it its separate line because we're really trying to figure out the exact pod setup you want. Okay. Um, now, did you, did you almost not take your two winning objectives, uh, decks, excuse me, to the Gen Con Nationals? Like, were you kind of on the fence about them, or did you just, like, know without, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that you were going to run these two decks? Uh, the dark side, we knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that, that that was how we wanted to go, um, quite a while ago, actually. And the light side was really up in the air until uh, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday that week uh, before Gen Con. That that one, um, we were we were still trying to decide on. I mean, I think the main thing there was um, the, like Han and and Luke and Chewie and the Falcon. Th- those kind of dike decks, <laughs> dikes. Those kind of <laughs> decks. <laughs> hopefully, you could edit that out. Uh, those type of decks are. Uh, seemed just that they should be so good on paper, and we kept wanting to go back to them. We're like, we how can we not run this at the tournament? Uh, but at the end of the day, we we said, hey, we've got to go with the the data that we found through the testing and and the results showing that our vehicle decks are having a much higher win percentage against what we perceive as the top dark side decks. So that that was probably the hardest decision was uh, going with what we're seeing in the results versus what I just looking at the cards and think should be good. Yeah. And, and I know from past experiences that that's a hard decision to make because, you know, when you're sitting there and you see the Falcon's ability and how it works in the deck to not run that is such a hard choice because it's like, you know, the numbers say I should run this, but I really like how pretty that card is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I thought it was kind of odd to to see a, a vehicle deck yeah. doing that well. I I have always played vehicle decks, and I've always really liked vehicle decks. Um, I've always kind of viewed them, though, as almost like the rogue deck out there, that, that they're not necessarily what everybody's going to be playing. So do you think that, that possibly that view of things is what attributed to that deck being better or, or was it just that good of a deck? Uh, a little bit of both, I think. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's just that good of a deck versus uh, most dark side decks right now. And the, the main thing, I mean, there's so much uh, control and so much hate for characters that 
you don't have to worry about when you're running vehicles and you typically are a little more aggressive, have a, a little more uh, blast icons. And, you know, we kind of boil it down to what does the light side need to do to win? It's directly tied to your blast icon. So uh, the more those you have in there, the more that are uh, that are not edge enabled, uh, the, the better chance you have of, of dealing damage uh, on any given turn. So uh, that that's a big part of it. And then the the main thing was, you know, in our testing, our character decks were were showing just over uh, 500 win average, and our vehicle decks were showing closer to 700. Okay, so that's actually really interesting because I have attempted to use your light side deck, and it's I I, I got to be honest, it's really different than a lot of the normal vehicle light side decks out there. I mean, you got the Slew Scout deck, you got the uh, old school core set deck, which was just uh, strictly Rebels and just had a lot of weird stuff you could do with it. Then you have the, the, the Haas decks, which just have so many different variations that don't honestly work very well right now. What, yep. um, what exactly is the strength of your deck? I mean, I, I, obviously, it's, it's all depend, dependent mostly on player skill and knowledge of how the deck works, but I, I'm having I'm having a slight bit of trouble kind of understanding how it got past some of the you know the the, the Sith kind of core decks that are out there, mainly because they the the Sith decks right now are able to put out so many different two cost units at once that yep. it seems like you would have a hard time punching through that that defense wall. Well, the the thing that that's really I think where the the deck strength is and why we went with that is you you have so many uh, black blast icons that it doesn't really matter how many units they have or what they have out there you're going to punch through anyway um, and and you don't care about winning the edge battles okay. all you care about is is playing units and sending them at objectives and uh, the big thing is the the pre prepare for uh, evacuation. Yes, pod. I, that's probably the most talked about. I'm I'm assuming uh, after after the win, just because I don't think a lot of people really like that pod or or uh, play it much. I think it's a great objective set. In my yeah, it's, opinion. Uh, it it is, and it really I think it was my my MVP in a lot of the games. Uh, those those Y wing protectors that that can uh, protect vehicles. Mm -hmm. So the the core of the deck. Uh, in my opinion, is the prepare for evacuation uh, defense of Yavin 4 and the Rebel Fleet. Uh, that, that basically gives you eight Y-Wings uh, and your vehicle protectors and, mm -hmm. and your uh, repair droid. So you can move damage around and, and get it off your units. And then you have uh, Home 1 and Red 2 uh, that are your, your big boys that, that can kind of finish them off. And I just think the the vehicle protection is is really strong right now. The character protection is also good, uh, but the things you're protecting aren't dealing damage as right. fast, and the opponent has more ways to dish out damage to characters that they don't for vehicles. So your vehicles aren't going to get choked. You know, you're, they're, they're going to be hit by their, uh, by their combat icons because most of the time in this deck, you're not winning the edge. You don't care about winning the edge. Uh, but you're able to move it around with your protectors mm -hmm. and get it off the board with your droids so that a lot of times it doesn't matter. Uh, and then the, the rest of the deck, I think, gives you the tricks that you need to to have your guys get through when you really need to hit them hard. Uh, so you have your, your swindles, you have your rebel assaults, uh, your echo caverns, that kind of stuff. And and really, the most, most of the Sith decks um, are not that fast. So we were finding the vehicle decks uh, could outpace them, and and the versus the character decks, the amount of damage you're putting out there, even if you're, you know, driving your vehicles to their doom uh, over a couple turns, you're getting enough damage out there that that you're able to finish them off. Okay, interesting, interesting. Now, so so go based, ahead, Nate, go ahead. So based on that, um, what do you think that the the biggest weakness of of your light side deck was? Um, you know, it's, I don't know that it really, I mean, this sounds stupid. I don't know that it really has that much of a weakness because, 
Um, I didn't really struggle that much during the tournament other than in, in two games with it. What about um, uh, versus a, like a heavy Navy deck that you're just kind of racing for time? Yeah, that, that would be, um, that would certainly be a challenge. Uh, I thankfully only had to play one of those in the tournament and it did, did actually beat me. That was one of my two losses, uh, in the in the uh, tournament and <clears throat> that one uh, I ended up destroying two objectives and having four damage on another and then sending a guy uh, to win it for to, to kill the last one but he had a uh, talon roll oh. that, I, that I didn't foresee to ready his uh, backstabber and then um, I had sent kind of an all-out uh, attack so he was able to win on the following turn uh, so it was a close game anyway but that that is probably uh, the scariest matchup. And then the, the other weakness would be if you, you know, just like any deck, if you don't get a very good draw and you, you're able to play, you know, one nice unit and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then they, they're able to deal with it with, uh, whether it's heat of battle or force lightning or whatever it may be, some, some trick so that, uh, you think you're okay. And then, then you go down, you can get behind and, uh, it can be tricky after that, but there the really isn't that many bad cards in the deck uh, with those pods that, that you didn't really have that uh, occurring too often. Okay. So the, the overall results of the tournament were actually very, very unexpected. Um, with with the, the top objective sets, the top decks being in the top 16, a lot of those decks were just really weird. Um, I know there was a couple of trooper decks that like, yeah. like did well and like everyone's going, wait, what? Like, okay. So with that being said, um, what was your best and worst, best and worst matchup, uh, overall between your two decks? Uh, you know, the, the dark side, uh, deck that I played is pretty decent against everything, but definitely liked playing the character decks. Uh, the most, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, if I ran up against a deck like mine, which I, I didn't run into one, uh, exactly like mine, but anyone that, that was similar, um, scared me a little bit more than the character decks. Yeah. And then my, my light side, um, really just scared by the Navy, the all out devastator, uh, star destroyer type decks. That card's a jerk by the way. Yeah, it's pretty good. Such a good card. Uh, okay. So. So you really only had kind of one hard counter to your entire set that you actually brought to the tournament, which which was the kind of the the navy versus that light side deck. Did you feel that your dark side, uh, um, the, the, your dark side deck, by the way, is what uh, me and Nate used to actually play? Uh, Nate, wasn't yours a little bit different than his? Didn't you have an nope. extra twist of fate in there or something? Nope. No, I I ran that exact okay. deck for. Two regionals, yeah, I think, and one of them I won. Okay, so I like your dark side deck. Yeah, uh, the, the, <laughs> the deck itself just kind of has an answer to everything, and and like you you would think it wouldn't because of certain like uh, defense protocol is kind of like a odd objective set, but when you when you get down to it, it's such a useful objective set. Just right down to the objective, all the way down to the twist of fate that's in there. I mean. Every card in between those cards is just useful, even even if it's for for an edge battle or, or whatever. So, your dark side deck. What exa- like were you were you afraid to actually tr- bring it to the tournament because you've only you really only got to practice during your like little circle? Or no, I mean I played in three regionals. Oh, oh, so uh, so you played in three regionals with that deck uh, exactly? No, not exactly that one. Okay. No, um, so. So my my teammate uh, John he ended up he was the Swiss champion in the in the big uh, tournament at Gen Con he had he had uh, first place after the five rounds mm-hmm. and then I had third he and I played the exact same decks okay uh, you know based on our testing we right. we, we knew these were the best and um, I had been him and I had both been playing Sith variants at the three regionals. Uh, and over that time, we kind of evolved them to what we think was the best uh, Sith deck, and which is the one we end up running at Gen Con, and and the one that he uh, he had used to win the uh, re- regional down in Cincinnati, um, where I was running a little bit different version with some Hoth stuff in there, and then 
that's you know that that's how we decided upon the the best Sith deck between the the regionals. The regionals kind of got us there by that third regionals when we played that one, and then the testing showed that it it still beats everything e- even after uh, Edge of Darkness came out. So the the dark side we had kind of figured that one out uh, a little while ago, and the the defense protocol, as he said, is is really uh, the main difference between what we were running and and most everybody else at the tournament. We were the only two guys that made the top eight that that had defense protocol in our deck. Um, Interesting. So that I mean that that tie attack squadron is so really good. yeah he's really so the MVP good. of the deck. I mean he he is an answer to to everything and. Uh, when you talon roll with them, you can just do some really nasty stuff, and then you have five twist of fates in the deck when you're when you're running that. So, yeah. it's you know it, it just has a lot of synergy and it works very well with uh, the the core Sith control. Now, were you surprised that Edge of Darkness didn't change the dark side pretty much at all for you? Uh, a little bit because we we really tested a lot of um, uh, scum and Sith. Uh, mixes uh, different sets in there uh you know whether it was heavier on the sith and or heavier on scum and and back and forth and a lot of different decks that mix those two that we initially thought might come out on top um but at the end of the day the the amount of uh power that the the tie tax squadron can put out as far as killing objectives uh which is a big deal with the tiebreakers yeah uh and then the ability to um, combo the objective dealing one damage off defense protocol with things like force choke uh, just ended up being too good so it, it was it, it did feel weird uh, saying hey this deck is corset only and we're bringing it to a tournament and we've got all these new toys to play with it, it was a little weird but uh, the results that we in our testing showed that that that's the right choice and obviously it was and and a lot of times too, going with something that you're comfortable with, that you've played a lot, and that you, you really know inside and out how to use it, is better than playing with all the new shiny bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know by the results, it worked. So, um, were there any changes though that you would make to either of these decks after the fact? Now that you've played the tournament and and won. Is there anything that, looking back, you're like, I wish I would have had this card. I wish I would have had this objective set. Is there any any of that, or did everything work the way you wanted it to? Obviously, it did because you won. But. Yeah, yeah, everything <laughs> worked. I mean, I, I I get what you're saying, but definitely not on the dark side. I mean, the dark side was so dominant for me all day. Uh, I only lost one match with it, and it was just a, a kind of weird one where I, I. Uh, just drew some some weird stuff that um, did not work with what he dropped early game, uh, but otherwise it, it just worked so well and was so dominant. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen somebody recorded the final two matches. I don't know if they're online or whatever, but no, uh, uh, I don't think those have been posted yet anywhere. I think okay. Team Covenant did it, and they're doing the voiceover commentary on it now. Okay, okay, so it okay. should be a couple days still. Yeah. Okay. So there's, I guess maybe in the finals match you'll you'll be able to see. I mean the the, you know the deck, in the final match I kill all three of his, of his objectives in one turn. Holy crap! Uh, with the dark side on you know maybe turn four or five, <laughs> and 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 that's uh, you know that's like pretty much how it wor- how it goes. That's what happened most of the day. Um, that it had a one particularly. Uh, difficult match in the top four um, where I think I only killed two objectives. That was your match first. Uh, Garrett? Yes. Yeah. GGO! Yeah, he, he's he's a friend of mine. Um, So, like, I guess the, the, the biggest question I had, you ran raise the stakes. I'm guessing for the extra swindled and because blockade runners are good. Did you consider running the sluice guide objective set instead? Yeah. To, so, first, uh, the reason I ran raise the stakes is because it's amazing with red two. Uh, and then to answer the second part of the question, we we did so our our, our vehicle variation uh, started with the sleuth pod in there for sure uh, when we were testing, and 
you know, after a little while, it just became evident that we had too many bad cards in the deck. Uh, the, the sleuths themselves, the, the units are fine. The objective's really good. Uh, but the rest of the cards in the pod, uh, no one, we never wanted to play them. We didn't have a use for them. And they didn't really help us in the edge battles because they, they all have one force icon. Um, so, so pretty early on, we were finding that we did not like the sleuth scouts in there. And that we were much better off uh, in this type of deck going with uh, the blockade runner because of uh, the objective, giving the plus one damage. You can do a lot of crazy stuff with red two and then uh, having the extra swindled, like you said. And then not to mention blockade runner has two black blast icons. So even if it's if you're not doing crazy unblockable shenanigans you're still able to finish off objectives by throwing that in there and, and they just have to, mm -hmm. you know, sit there and take it. Even if they have a bunch of guns, you're moving around with your uh, protector vehicles and then pounding them for two. So, so okay, so with with the change of not using Sleuth Scouts to, to using the Blockade Runner, do you think that if you had chosen to go with sleuth scouts you think the deck um would it would have been still still would have been as powerful or do you think it would have been just kind of that mediocre you know hey look what i'm doing i'm running sleuth scouts yeah i i don't think it would have been nearly as powerful <laughs> um i mean most sleuth decks would would run both sleuths and uh blockade runners i right. assume i mean that that's what we originally tested and then we we when we we're really getting down to the final top, top decks. We, you know, we went with just the blockade runner, but, uh, I, I don't think it would have, uh, made my deck better. I mean, I, I think it would have definitely been worse now trying to think back to the games. I don't know how many of them I would have still lost. Um, because just looking at my, my sheet here, I mean, so let's see, I hit the dial was at four, Five, seven, four, five. Wow. On my on my wins during the Swiss. So you won then, real quick with this deck. Yeah, typically. So some of those games, you know, maybe it it gets it's slowed down and and I still end up winning with the Sluice. I don't know, but uh, I'm sure there would be an extra loss there somewhere down the road for running uh, a bunch of drawing up a hand with a bunch of useless cards. Okay. Okay, so that kind of brings us to our next topic. Um, what decks did you face throughout the day? Do you, do you remember any specifics, or uh, is it just kind of all of a mashup right now? Uh, no, I, I remember uh, some specifics. Um, I mean, you, you want me to just go round by round real quick? or Yeah, you know, sure. uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Good. That'd be great. Kind of, kind of a recap here. Um, you know, I don't remember all the details, and I guess just to throw out there, this tournament started at noon yeah. uh, and ended at two in the morning. Um, <laughs> so by the end of it, it, it was really uh, somewhat of an endurance trial too. And, mm -hmm. and by the end, people were, were making mistakes, play mistakes. And it's really something that's kind of unfortunate uh, because the, the game really should be about your decks and your skill yeah. uh, playing it, not uh, who can uh, concentrate at, at one in the morning, you know? Um, so there was definitely some play mistakes made by by pretty much everyone, I think, at least that I saw, uh, including myself. And it, it's kind of unfortunate. We did talk to Fantasy Flight about it a little bit, and it sounds like uh, for future tournaments that are that big, they may try to do um, something to, to keep it from, from being so crazy in one day. So we'll see about that. But just, just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Two-day two tournament I think would be best for that many people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so the first round um, I played against somebody named Mike. Unfortunately, I don't I don't remember last names here, but uh, he was playing a uh, a pure rebel deck um, that my dark side pretty much had a field day with. <laughs> I didn't didn't give up any objectives and uh, and got him with my dark side pretty easily. And then my uh, light side won uh, with the dial at four. He was playing, uh, I believe, a Sith uh, control deck. Okay. And then uh, round two, I played against uh, somebody named Tyler, and he uh, he was the guy that had the the all out uh, Imperial Navy deck mm -hmm. uh, that that beat me in the first game. 
uh, three objectives to two very quickly. Uh, this game was really uh, bizarre for me. I think I kept uh, having to strike with uh, whatever that four-cost unit is that can get a character off the top of the deck. Oh, the vacuum cleaner. Um, yeah, it's, the, it's really... Uh, what the heck is it called? Something transport. Yeah, whatever it is. We call it the carrying case. I don't know what, it, <laughs> vacuum what exactly it is. carrying case, same thing. Yeah, so the the vacuum cleaner. that It's uh it's really not very good in this deck, and I mostly use it for edge battles or resources if I really need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some it's reason... The, it's the Action Series Bulk Transport. I kept saying that, and I had my mic muted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Nice job. Yes, that's it. You can continue now. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no problem. Um, anyways, that that thing, for some reason I was able to get two of those out and not much else. And I kept striking with those and finding uh, nothing, basically, because there's not very many characters in my deck. Uh, but, you know, put like a droid on those so I can at least have some blast icons or whatever. But that game was, was a little weird, and uh, he he had pretty decent uh, sit or um, Navy Rush, so he, he got me in that one. And then um, my dark side deck, I was able to destroy three objectives and take no damage from him on my objectives. Um, so I ended up winning the tiebreaker on that one. Um, so at that point, you know, I was feeling really good about my dark side deck because I hadn't given up any objectives. So uh, I was feeling pretty good and then went into round three and just got totally demolished uh, with my dark side deck. With, he beat me when the dial was on four. Ooh. Um, and it was against uh, another guy named Matt. I think it, his name on uh, on card game database is uh, Poto MTG or something like that. I don't know if you guys know him. Uh, yeah. This is the fir- first I met him, but n- nice guy. And uh, I thought he would definitely be up there in the tops uh, after I played him because he, he was able to uh, beat my dark side deck at dial four. And that was the only loss that the my dark side deck had all day. Now, how, how exactly did it lose? Did he just have, like, the perfect setup? Um, he got me with uh, two of the uh, lightsaber deflections oh. uh, very early on. That was really bad for me. Uh, ended up killing a couple of my men, and, and then I was able to get through one Chewbacca and immediately dropped another. That's the um, worst. And You're it, like, finally, no, just go back in your hole. Right, right. And... and uh, it was it was just so quick, honestly. The two deflections and Chewbacca pretty much wiped away my board a couple yeah. turns in a row, and and then I was just done for. <laughs> and then my light side deck won very quickly again against him at dial five. Uh, he was running uh, Sith and Scum, and the, the Sith and Scum can be good, but it, it's also just very slow and doesn't destroy a lot of objectives we typically see unless you're um, running some kind of weird version with with Bosk and some other guys that have more blast icons. Mm-hmm. So I was able to to get him, but I mean at at this point I uh, I think I was two or four wins and two losses in total, uh, and then from then on both my decks really kicked into high gear, and I proceeded to just basically win out all the way until the uh, the final match where I lost game one of the finals, but um, just trying to see if there's any other highlights here in the Swiss. I did, I did play uh, against a guy that was running um, another Sith scum mix. That was, uh, it was, it was also uh, one of these decks that has a lot of tactics. It's very slow though, like weak ways and Mm -hmm. uh, interrogator droids, those type of things. And he actually, uh, we had something really weird happen where he struck with one of his uh, dark side units and then played a crossfire on me. Uh, and, you know, as soon as he did it, I'm like, wait a minute, that is a Han Solo card. <laughs> uh, so, we, you know, the, the judge, for some reason, um, just made him, like, take that card out of his deck and then we continued playing. Uh, so it was <laughs> definitely a little weird. Technically, but... that, that should have been a DQ for him, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I mean... I personally wouldn't have cared, but I mean, you obviously handle it in a good sportsmanship like way, so that's uh, big props to you there, Matt. Yeah, you know, honestly, he uh, he said <laughs> I beat him game one, and then this was day- during game two where that happened, and he actually said he's like, "Well, shit, that's a game loss," 
uh, I don't know. I have no idea how this got in there or whatever. And so I was, you know, I said, hey, let's let's at least ask the judge because I don't want to want you to have a game loss if if we could do something about it. And then the judge said, hey, just remove the card, keep playing. So mm. we were we were both cool with that. Good, um, good. You know, at the end of the day, didn't matter because I ended up uh, right winning that one too. But uh, yeah, just something weird that happened. Mm, crossfire in a scum and villainy deck that would make it, I think, a uh, pretty dangerous. <laughs> It's like, yeah. I'm going to attack with a Jawa and give him, like, six tactics icons. Oh, okay. <laughs> Obviously, that can't happen. But So, actually, you know, that kind of brings me to another question. How were the uh, TOs and the judges there? Um, I know that Fantasy Flight did have people there. Was it just yep. Fantasy Flight employees judging and uh, TOing the matches? Yes, it was. And overall, I thought they did a really good job. Uh, obviously, it's a very long tournament. Uh, there were some some downtime in between the rounds. I think they were just overwhelmed with the number of people of course. Uh, having to report, you know, hundred, hundred guys results every round. So there's a little downtime, but other than that, I think everyone, everything uh, went really smoothly. Uh, there were some people complaining about a few various uh, rulings. One, one in particular about the Death Star dial, mm-hmm. not being, if not being kept up and what happens. Oh, that uh, stupid rule. What okay. happens with that? Yeah. But, but otherwise, I think uh, I think the guys did a really good job. Awesome. Okay, so so uh, actually, uh, kind of a follow-up question: Was there any big kind of s- pointless drama uh, if, during any of the games? Like, did anyone like get really loud? Did anyone kind of like start yelling at each other? Um, did anyone flip a table? Did anyone flip a table? <laughs> Puns. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. Like, I was like, oh, I could go there, but that'd make me look horrible. But Nate went there, so anyway, so. Um, but yeah, Matt, was there any ki- type of uh, bad sportsmanship, or was it a pretty uh, pretty mature tournament? No, it w- it was really uh, r- really a great player base and, and awesome. community coming out for the game. I mean, I didn't see good job, guys. Very yeah, great I didn't job. see anybody uh, really raising much of a fuss. I mean, the one the one example I threw out there about the Death Star uh, that that there was a little bit of uh, discussion on that one between the the player and the judge i think but uh the the guy was was pretty cool about it uh it Good. it was a couple tables down from mine that's the only reason why i why i was able to see that one go down but i mean nobody got worked up there was nothing i mean for especially for uh for a, a big ccg tournament i mean everyone i've ever played in something happens mm-hmm. so that's, that's to, why i asked yeah to to not have any incidents uh was was pretty good and i think says a lot about the uh community we have playing the game right that's, now that's awesome guys i mean seriously um to all the viewers that are listening that that really should tell you something of what kind of community that this game kind of brings to the table i mean you know star wars is has always been kind of that thing that brings everyone together and everyone's just kind of that you know we're all nerdy we're all geeky let's just have fun so i really think that that, that says a, a whole lot about what this game is going to eventually kind of develop into because you know if we look at like Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic the Gathering you know, like those communities are can be quite toxic at times and um big props to 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 the uh the national uh community that uh, actually went to Gen Con that's awesome but very very encouraging to hear um Nate I know you had a couple other uh, questions for him so uh, I'll, I'll let you do some uh, some voice work here Okay, so kind of to go back to, to something that you touched on before, um, when you were talking about the, the tournament structure and and hoping that they would break it up a little bit more, um, other than that, is there anything that you would like FFG to potentially do for tournaments or with tournaments in the future? Be, be honest here. Uh, yeah, a couple of things. I mean, one, really, there should have been more than five rounds. Amen. Um, with a hundred players, I mean, at the end of the day, don't get me wrong. I was excited there were only five rounds because I didn't want to be there, you know, another three hours. <laughs> um, but there, there just should be more. When you go over sixty-four guys, I think you typically do seven rounds. Uh, it should have been at least six, I think. So uh, that's that's one thing that hopefully they'll they'll at least. Uh, you know, not handicap themselves with the number of rounds before they even know the number of participants. Hopefully, they'll they'll set it based on the number of participants next time. And then uh, the other thing I'd like to see is uh, flights versus one big tournament. So, you know, if we have, let's say, next year the game keeps growing and we have 200 guys, uh, you know, maybe you have two or three 
smaller tournaments, and then you take you know the top 16 or whatever it is from each of them and put them into uh, the final you know a tournament on the on the next day or whatever it is. Uh, that way, it doesn't become the endurance trial that I was talking about earlier, and, and it's more based on your skill, and it's not about who can stay awake 12 hours later and mm-hmm. coherently play cards. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that that's not fun. I think I was at a tournament one time that lasted for 17 hours. Those and I was suck. exhausted. Oh, it was so bad. You know, it's funny because worst well, turn ever. Of, a lot of people don't think that. Oh, you're just playing a card game, but. Mentally, it will drain you faster than it will running a marathon, in in my personal opinion. Because thinking, like strategically thinking constantly for that long of a time, you're using your body's you know natural nutrients and stuff to fuel that little that that brain ears. And if you're not constantly putting stuff back into it or just like going for long periods of time, geez, it you can you can start getting headaches. You can start sweating a lot. You can you know. Have all your nervous tics come out, you know, leg twitching, that kind of stuff. So it really takes a toll on you. So I would definitely agree that I think that worlds, uh, hell, like worlds need to be, I think, over, I mean, you know, just like what Pokemon does, like their their national tournaments or world tournaments, like over the course of like a whole weekend, I think, if I remember correctly. Well, see, the, the benefit that worlds is going to have is that it's at Fantasy Flight's own facility. That, that's also true. So they have a lot more control over. Yeah being able to extend times or change things around. Whereas with Gen Con, you're dealing with the Gen Con schedule. So they don't yeah. have as much leeway there. Very true, very true. Um, the other the other thing that I saw um, a couple of people on the forums uh, pointing out about the tournament was that there were a, a few cases where um, game one would take a rather long time and then game two would be timed out. And the points would be really weird. Like it would end up with like a six to two um, point difference. Did, did you notice any of that? Did you notice that that was actually as big of an issue as um, a few people on the forums have been pointing out? Or was that kind of limited? And, you know, did, did you did you run across any of that? Um, I did not. I I tend to play pretty quickly. And all my matches were done fairly quickly, uh, excluding maybe the top four in the final. Um, but the, the the Swiss rounds for me went went by very quickly. Um, I were think they six, timed? They were, yeah, sixty five minute rounds. Wow, that's really wow. That's that's actually really short. Uh, but you know, I don't think there was that many people drawing uh, in that second game. I heard people complaining. I think it's probably a vocal minority because during the tournament, I didn't see a lot of it. I know uh, of the the four guys that that I came with uh, to the tournament that we played, none of us had any draws. Hmm. So the um, the whole time thing, do you think that it could, like, okay, so 65 minutes is, is obviously going to be uh, probably FFG standard for tournaments then? Do you think yeah, that, I think so. Do you think that that's too long, or do you think it's too short? Do you think it's just right? Um, thoughts on that? Uh, I think that's that's probably where they need to be. I could see seventy, but I would not want it to go any later than that. I mean, part of part of it's just personally me. I, right. I don't like waiting around an extra half hour because I finish my matches in thirty minutes. Um, but the, the there are you know people that I think. Um, like to play slower and, and make sure they're thinking everything through or, or like to play more defensive decks. Uh, and I'd hate for for any sort of time constraint to mm-hmm. limit the number, the, the decks that people can play. Right. Um, so I, I don't want to see that happen. But I think 65 worked well. If, if 70, you know, allows uh, so a couple more decks, then I'd say go to that. But I wouldn't want it to go any higher than that. Okay, cool, cool. Nate, uh, fire away. Um, I had a question and I just forgot it. Um, just use the cheat sheet that we have. No, it was an extra question. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was I going to ask? Uh, I don't remember. Is the sky blue? Not is right the now. Sky blue? No, I'm not asking that question. Um, keep talking. I'm going to, I'm going to think of this. <laughs> okay. Give me a second. Okay. So, uh, while, while Nate is trying to think of his question, 
What did you get for winning? I'm sure that's kind of a, a, a big question too because uh, Final Fantasy – or Final Fantasy Flight. I don't think so. Fantasy Flight, um, at least to my knowledge, I haven't looked on their website recently, hasn't actually announced what you won. Yeah, they, they have not. Okay. Um, is, is that still kind of under NDA then I assume? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's just because they suck at advertising <laughs> what the prizes are. Uh, and I think they would admit that too. Uh, well, you know but, what? They are a small company, but yeah, they, uh, which actually has to do with, uh, Nate's question, but, uh, remembered. excellent. Uh, but before we get to your question, what did you win, Matt? Um, which, and, and let me clarify that. I don't want to try to bash Fantasy Flight here because I love a lot of their games and stuff. I'm just saying when it comes to when it comes to organized play, uh, I think they're a little behind uh, where some other companies are. That they're very good at making the games, and I know their histories in board games and and more casual games. So their competitive, uh, the way they treat the competitive games is a little bit behind yep. where I'd like to see them be. But but otherwise, uh, really like the company and everything. But to so to to answer the question. Um, I won. So top 16 uh, each got a play mat that was the uh, Han Solo card yeah. artwork uh, and said, you know, North American Championship 2013 top 16 on them. Uh, and then the top four each got a, uh, a tote bag, I guess you would call it, with the Han Solo artwork on it as well. Uh, and then the for winning it, I got a plaque that had the same Han Solo artwork and then says, uh, you know, North American 2013 champion. Okay. Uh, and then the, the runner-up got a, a runner-up plaque, I believe. Nice. So it, it, it wasn't really anything, like, super flashy. Then. It was just kind of like a, hey, cool, here's your trophy. Yeah, that was pretty much it. The The prize support wasn't uh, anything too crazy. Uh, and then I, I get a, uh, a buy at Worlds, right. I guess, so right. similar to the regional winners. Right. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, okay. So that actually kind of upsets me a little bit. And again, Fantasy Flight is an amazing company, but you know we're just kind of being honest here. The yeah, the price support was lacking. The um, the 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 use of Han Solo in all three, I think, is kind of lazy. Um, I think like maybe they should have done Han Solo for the playmat, Lando for the bag, and then. I don't know, a dark side character or something for the, the prize plaque. Maybe like uh, Bosk or someone like really, really memorable, like really kind of a really cool flashy card. Um, not just use Han Solo for all three, which I, I think is kind of I, – like obviously I don't know any of the inner workings in Fantasy Flight games, obviously. But like to me that just kind of is a little bit disappointing. But I mean – I'd love to have a playmat in a tote bag, so you know, if you guys are listening, you can send me one. I'll definitely take it. That that'd be great. So, back to my topic that no. I don't remember. No, Mm-mm. I'm doing it. Um, so that was like that. Actually, kind like prize support kind of ties into what I was thinking of was the actual coverage of the tournament by Fantasy Flight Games was completely non-existent. You oh know, they gosh. have they have yet to post. You know who won they have yet to post you know winning decks they have yet to post any of that stuff you know a lot of the stuff that has been posted about who won and on deck list and all this other stuff was from members of the forums people that were at the tournament mm-hmm. it was all user supported content which is fine for like a regional event, a local tournament, but for something like the U.S. Nationals and hopefully Worlds, you kind of need to have a little bit more presence as far as, hey, look at what we're doing. Look at how awesome it is. No. <laughs> it would have been nice to see someone other than, you know, Team Covenant and people playing in the tournament yeah. posting about what was going on. Um. And that leads me to another point. Uh, and card and that, game DB got bought out by FFG. So maybe they have something planned. We shall see. I mean, I mean, fantasy fight. <laughs> uh, I mean, you guys can hire me for that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's not a problem. <laughs> I will gladly take that job. But um, um, Matt. So yeah, back to back to Matt. Did you notice that? 
were any of the FFG employees trying to gather this information or was it kind of just there and nobody was really trying to get their hands on any of it? Um, you know, I think that's really what I was trying to get at where I, when I was talking about them being behind as far as, uh, as far as that kind of stuff goes, um, you know, where, where that company, uh, is spending its time and, and its resources and and it's not there yet where we would like it to be for the organized play stuff uh, in, in the competitive scene. So hopefully them picking up card game DB uh, at least increases what they're doing with that. But, but yeah, I definitely um, for, for me, I'm used to how fantasy flight uh, runs and deals with tournaments. So it, it wasn't uh, a shock or a letdown for me. Um, but I do agree with you that I wish they would get better at it. So that brings us to another question <clears throat> is in, in your opinion, what could FFG to do to make the tournament uh, experience and the overall, I think, coverage better other than the obvious? Do you think that there's some key point that they might uh, miss down the line? You know, I, I don't know if it's something they've missed or it's just what their priorities are, you know, and that they they want to create good games, create good product, mm -hmm. uh, so, sell the product. And then, you know, I don't know that they really give a shit about how many people show up at the tournament. That's um, fair. And, and maybe, you know, that's uh, disheartening to some, but I just think that's uh, that that's where their priorities lie. Okay. Um, as far as what they can do, I mean, uh, I don't know that there's a, any kind of magic answer that I have for that one. Uh, you know, prize support could be better, and hopefully it will be at Worlds. Uh, you know, it, it would have been neat to really get something unique for winning, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, at least be part of their Hall of Champions online, right. which is which is pretty cool. And and so there will be some information from them, you know, coming up. I know they they did take down uh, the top sixteen decks. They mentioned uh, they were going to do something with that. So I know that that something will be forthcoming. Uh, I just have no idea when. Okay. Okay. So basically, what we're saying, Fantasy Flight, is you guys are doing a great job, but. As far as the coverage portion, uh, you guys need to step it up just a little bit to kind of get that interaction with the community um, from yourself and not just rely on the community to do it. Because if that's the case, I mean, if we look at like Magic the Gathering or hell, even Pokemon, I mean, they have streams, they have just so much coverage that they can do. Now, granted, they're a much bigger organization than Fantasy Flight Games is, is, is right now. That's That's very, very obvious. But... I think that, given the uh, the the with the willingness and drive to actually do that, I think Fantasy Flight can definitely surpass both of them because I think that they do make superior games. Um, I, I I truly believe that um, the games that Fantasy Flight makes are much better than Magic, much better than Pokemon, much better than Yu-Gi-Oh. And I know there's going to be a lot of haters out there that are going to be like, "Oh no, Magic is awesome! It's the best game ever." Well, see, that's that's the thing that that kind of confuses me so if you look at ffg's um customer support on their forums mm -hmm. and through um like nate french especially with oh my gosh, questions awesome. yeah they have that part of listening to their player base listening to their yeah. you know community they have that down and are very good at it but then when it comes to tournaments and the competitive side of things, they kind of drop the ball. And it's like, if they would, if they could get the amazing support they have for their community, their forums and their, and their user base transferred over to how they handle tournaments, hands down best trading card company out there. In no, my personal uh, opinion, I, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I, I don't think anyone is, can can say anything bad about Fantasy Flight other than that they distribute pretty much like Blizzard does when it comes to their stuff coming out. It's like, hey, we're going to release on this date. Nah, maybe this date. Nah, just kidding. We're going to do it on this date again. And, you know, that's 
that's just kind of how they operate. That's something that I think every really good company does because their their products are in such high demand. They have to make sure that, okay, we need to ship on this date and this date to this region and this region, but then we have to go f- to the European side and ship on that date, which they haven't uh, – the, the EU side still hasn't received Edge of Darkness, but then again, that's – a whole different ball game in and of itself, and I really think that Fantasy Flight does an amazing job, not only with their community, like Nate said, but just with the games themselves. I mean, heck, they relaunched Netrunner. Uh, relaunched? What the heck is relaunched? I don't know what that it sounds like. A lunchable name? That's a terrible thing to say. They relaunched Netrunner, and it's a huge success now. It's I think it's isn't like one one of their fastest selling games right now, next to um, Age of Thrones. Or, wow, really? Oh my gosh, this is this is going great already. Age of Thrones. Hey, there you go, Fantasy Flight. Just gave you your new IP. <laughs> but I mean, just the the way that they really are able to take something, take such a simple concept, and just go, "Here's a sweet game." I mean, they just released their um, big ships for the X-wing thing. I'm like, wow. That makes me want to get into X-Wing now, and I can't because they're expensive and they're so awesome and I must have them. And they just released another expansion for their RPG uh, or their their role-playing game, which is just so in-depth and so good. So every game that Fantasy Flight makes is just really, really good, even if it's like the smaller kind of not really competitive stuff. It's just like their board games. They're they're smaller like uh, uh, kid family stuff. I mean it's just – it's so good. So – Having Fantasy Flight on board with a Star Wars game that, you know, is awesome and is balanced, and on top of them just being such a huge community supporter, I think that the Star Wars will go very, very, very far, far, far. So let's get back on track. That was kind of a a derail there, but uh, that is okay. Matt, uh, we have uh, probably like one or two more questions for you. Sure. What is, um, in your opinion, what was your MV? Uh, MVC, I guess, most valuable card of both of your decks in, in the entire tournament? Uh, definitely Titac Squadron on the dark side. I think I talked about that yep. previously. Uh, that thing's just so good. I mean, the, the the main problem I had with Sith for a while was if I go to a tournament, it, I might be able to win every game with my Sith, but if I lose with my light side and I don't destroy objectives. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm going to get knocked out due to tiebreaker, mm-hmm. uh, which which what happened is what happened to me uh, in a top eight at a regional and, and made me realize I can't uh, run a deck without uh, something like Tie Attack Squadron to add the extra firepower uh, to the deck. And then uh, on top of that, you, you have the the potential for targeted strike. So it. That card uh, just did a lot of great things for me all day. <clears throat> and then on the light side, um, it would be red too, I think. Uh, it's kind of a, a strange one, but uh, just to, I guess, one, <laughs> one thing that sticks in my mind very vividly is in the top eight match, um, I killed, or I destroyed all three of the guy's objectives in one turn with red two. <laughs> Uh, you know, that thing just did some crazy stuff for me. Uh, when, when you can ready that guy when time up your, your, uh, damage just right so that he, he comes out, uh, unopposed and then readies, he can do so much damage. And especially early on, uh, with the, some of the other cards I have in my deck, if they only get one unit out and I have a rebel assault or a swindle or something on their first turn, and then I'm able to drop a red two. He can just do some really nasty stuff. Uh, and then going into their second turn, they either have, you know, an objective missing and damage on others, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, basically a, a position that they just can't come back from. So I think red two was my main uh, workhorse during the tournament. Okay. Um, did you find that certain cards really put you behind when you drew them, um, like? Okay, so we all know that when you first draw your six cards, you kind of have a general idea of, okay, what's good, what's not good. But as, as far as card draw, did you find that certain cards just severely put you behind when you drew them at any stage of the game? Or was it mainly, okay, I really have to get a good starting hand to kind of, I guess, 
I don't, I don't want to say snowball, but kind of leapfrog uh, the game into a into a victory. Yeah, I, I don't think there's really much that uh, I got and really put me behind, other than uh, what I already talked about with the the vacuum cleaner, as you call right. it, or the carrying case, as as I call it. <laughs> uh, it, other than the game where I just had two of those out there striking which you know when you're striking with those in my deck something terrible terribly wrong has happened <laughs> um so because there's no no character i think i struck four times and got one character with them so it's not very useful um but other than that no i mean i I'm basically was looking for you know either a couple small ships early or one big ship and one small ship early and then you know just start going to work uh against their objectives hmm, okay all right, interesting. Uh, Nate, final questions. Um, I think that pretty much covered everything. We we've been talking a lot. Yes, we have. Um, I, you know, I don't think I have any other questions. Uh, do you, Patrick? No, no. I I, th- I think that we've uh, kind of exhausted any of the topics that we that we had for Matt. Uh, Matt, I'll give you the kind of the open floor if you have anything you'd like to uh maybe shout outs um final conclusions some maybe advice for some of uh the players you know me and nate included uh as to kind of how to be that that top tier player sure sure um a couple different things i guess i want to mention uh this one's just completely random but um my, my teammate john and i were the only uh guys in the top eight to not play han uh, so, you know, don't think you need to play Han to, to win. Uh, and then, uh, I think one, one big thing I would say is this game is so young and, uh, there really isn't one necessarily dominant deck, I don't think, or, or multiple dominant decks. I, th- I think, uh, you know, any given day of the tournament, uh, that Grant, the, the guy played in the finals, he had, uh, you know, different decks than I did he you know if we play that match 10 times maybe we split them and and mm-hmm. he's the champion you know or maybe somebody else uh down the line uh has a couple better draws and and ends up winning it so I, I think the game is is young and people just need to not worry so much about uh what is everybody perceives as the top deck or what is called as the top deck uh, and and really go out there and just you know do your own testing if you want to find out what's really good and then uh, uh, you can apply that and then also find something you're comfortable with you know just because you see a deck list online uh, doesn't mean you're you're necessarily going to be able to go out and and uh, you know win your next regional with 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 my deck list or anybody's deck list. Okay. Okay. So I guess that kind of wraps up the show nate what do you say i say it's time to go to bed i oh you're such a wuss dude <laughs> it's 10 o'clock it's bedtime i'm such an old geezer and i really hope somebody's listening to this at like eight in the morning and they're like okay time to go to bed time to go to bed yeah <laughs> well matt uh thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to uh to kind of give us uh an insight into your uh, not, not only your 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 player mind but just the the tournament itself um any shout outs you'd like to give um, yeah, I guess definitely my my teammates uh, John Paul and and Eric. Uh, you know, John obviously won the Swiss. He he had a hell of a day and uh, just didn't quite make it there at the end. We almost had uh, the two of us in the finals, which would have been pretty cool uh, with the exact same decks. I think that would have uh, at least shut up some of the people that think we're not playing the right decks. <laughs> uh, but but uh, you know, t- two out of the top four isn't bad, I guess. Um, so definitely, you know, want to congratulate him and, and my other teammates. Um, and then the, the guy that I played in the final, uh, Grant, I believe his name was just, he, he was a, a really stand up guy and, uh, played a terrific final match. Uh, really appreciated those games. And, uh, like I said, you know, if we play that, uh, match 10 times, I'm, I'm sure he wins half of them. So he, he had some really good decks and really great player. And he, he knocked out, uh, my other two teammates actually. So I, I was glad he didn't knock all three of us out because he kept uh, one of my teammates from making top 16 in the final round of Swiss. And then he knocked out uh, John in the top four match. So it would have been a pretty disappointing weekend had he knocked us all out. So I was glad I was able to get him, but 
you know, he's a, he's a really good guy and great player. Awesome. Awesome. Um, okay. So Nate, any shout outs? Um, I'm going to give a shout out to dark Spain. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, major props on, on getting FFG's attention and, and bringing what appears to be a major boost to the card game DB community. Yeah. So shout out to him. Um, shout out to Matt for taking time out of his schedule to come on the show and let us waste his time. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Awesome. Just well, those two. I'd like to give a shout out to my wife who is 38 weeks pregnant and uh, we are definitely waiting the arrival of our our little one, and I just I wanted to kind of give a cool little geek moment here. His initials are NPC, which I am super excited about. And for those of you who don't play computer games, uh, will not get that joke. For but for those of you who do, I am super excited that my son's initials are NPC. That is so just cool. Just don't tell his wife; she doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> actually, she does know now. Oh, and she doesn't no. – she's like, uh, you're a nerd. So I was just like, yeah, I know. I'm a nerd. That's, that's fine. But uh, also shout out to Fantasy Flight Games. Um, you guys really kind of have rekindled my my love of card games again. Um, I actually just recently got back into Pokemon because Nate was over a couple weeks ago and we, we both bought Pokemon starter decks and had a blast. And I, I really kind of forgot how fun – the social aspect of card games really were because it's it, it had been a long time for for me to actually play. I think the last time I played a card game was when I was playing the uh, the older Star Wars CCG, and, and that just really was it wasn't a fun experience because you had to. It was kind of a, a pay to win thing. I mean that, that's what a lot of CCGs are. But um, Fantasy Flight, you guys have really just kind of hit the nail on the head with the way I think games should should be. Constructed. Everyone should have a fair chance of always making that that top that top deck or that top play. So, uh, big shout out to you guys. Big kind of shout out to the uh, the Star Wars community for being so adult esque at nationals. That's just really encouraging. And um, again, big shout out to Matt for uh, taking time out of his evening to uh, to record with us. And we hope you guys enjoyed this show. Um, I really hope that it was informative and uh, interesting. Uh, please, as always, give us feedback uh, either on the forums at uh, FFG or on CardGameDB. And also you can uh, reach us uh, at our email at tableflip at outlook.com. Uh, we will be changing the email in the next month or so. I'm still working that out. So, But anyway, guys, thanks for listening. Thank you again, Matt. Thank you again, Nate. And as always, guys, may the force be with you. God bless and have a safe and pleasant journey.